The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a hoop ball presentation, so check out hoop ball online, hoop-ball.com, and on Twitter at hoop ball tweets today is tuesday the 27th of july we are ever closer to the nba draft ladies and gentlemen we are ever closer to free agency we have officially kicked off the offseason with a trade that we're going to get into as well as some news and you know maybe an nba birthday or two so you know without further ado let's get to it so we have to start with the blockbuster trade and maybe i'm exaggerating just a little bit but a significant trade nonetheless that happened on Monday. Adrian Wojnarowski was the first to report on the trade, of course, because it's Woj, Woj bombs offseason. I mean, those are synonymous as cookies and milk, right? Anyways, trade. Memphis traded Jonas Valanciunas, as well as the number 17th and 51st picks in this year's draft, to New Orleans for Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the number 10 pick, the number 40 pick of this year's draft, as well as the protected 2022 first-round pick, from the Lakers, top 10 protected, um, and that that was the, the first big news of the NBA season, this dropped yesterday, and to be honest with you, I don't really see a loser in this one, I think this is kind of a rare win-win deal for both teams in the offseason, and, and let's look at it from the Pelicans side first, for the Pelicans, as you know, you know, the goal is to make Zion Williamson happy, I mean, bottom line, it is what it is, the Atlanta Hawks kind of did the blueprint of how to make a discontent star, you know, a young guy, rookie contract still, who's not content with the direction of the team, um, happy by basically getting a new coach. It's not really about the process, more the results in this case, as well as surrounding that player with veteran talent that fit the way that he plays, fit the roster in terms of construction, and really help them to win. And look what happened. Eastern Conference Finals, you have a happy trend for the most part. Bottom line. The Pelicans kind of need to do something like that. I'm not saying that they need to have, you know, a, a date with the second round or the Western Conference Finals in his first postseason. But I am saying, okay, maybe make the postseason because they could do that if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. David Griffin specifically, uh, by making this trade, by getting rid of the contracts of Stephen Adams and Eric Blood. So first, this kind of confirms what we all knew. Which is that the, tr- the, the trade to take in both Bledsoe and Adams was a mistake. We knew this. It didn't make any sense to begin with. Bledsoe did not help with the spacing at all, uh, especially if you could have had George Hill for that. You had his contract on for an extra year afterwards, making significant amount of money. And then Stephen Adams with an extension as well. I love Stephen Adams. I'm one of the biggest Stephen Adams supporters, but he didn't fit well with Zion. I mean, it mucks up the front court. You don't have a whole lot of spacing. He's not dynamic on the offensive end. On the defensive end, he's okay. Um, rebounding, especially in the offensive glass, he helped Zion. We'll get into that more when we go into the New Orleans Pelicans kind of offseason outlook. But, you know, he was okay, but for the money he was making? No, he wasn't. And I, I hate to say that because I love CNM, but he wasn't. So that's what that trade does. And I got to push, not really push back, because it's really just people on Twitter. But people on Twitter, NBA Twitter, I love it and I hate it so much. Um, th- sometimes the, the takes are just the hottest and the most tone deaf. And one I've seen a few a, a few kind of circling around or a few of the same type of, of tweet is, oh, well, he made the trade and it's so dumb. David Griffin's the worst. It confirms we already knew that that previous signing of the two was a mistake. Well, guess what? We knew this. We knew this. Why can't a GM 
say, you know what, I messed up, and try to rectify that. Yes, the cost of that was a top 10 pick. Okay, moving on. The only thing you could do to make it better was build a time machine, go back there. But this is an Avengers Endgame. This is the NBA, right? We don't have that. So you make a bad move, rather than compound it, no. See if you can find a way to get off the money of those bad trades, signings, etc. And they did. They got a guy in Jonas Valanciunas who fits so much better with Zion and even better, I mean, is either extension eligible or a free agent at the end of the year. That's great. You have a guy in Jonas Valanciunas who, for one, outside of Steven Adams, who has been teasing a three-point shot this offseason, with Jonas Valanciunas, he shot 36% from three this past year, 35% the year before that. Now, you know, it's a small sample size alert all the way. Uh, less than an attempt per game this season, uh, just over an attempt per game last year. But for his career, he's actually a 35% three-point shooter over 10 years in the NBA so far. That's not horrible. Like, it really isn't. 98 of 274, yes, but still, he's at least flashed the ability to take those shots. And even the threes, um, even if he's not going to go out all the way and take the threes, he has a, a much better jumper, just in general, across the board, that can at least provide some spacing for Zion down low. Having someone who will at least take the shot is huge. And I think that's something that he had that Steven Adams just was not willing to do. And I get it, it's not his game. It's no fault on him, but it just wasn't that. But it's not even the fact that you get a guy who will shoot the ball. He also is a solid rebounder as well. That's something that you have to look at as well. Valanciunas ranked second in the league in offensive rebounds at four per game. So he has more space to work with, Zion, on the offensive end of the floor, while you're not sacrificing the rebounding department because Valanciunas does well there. So you have help there. Also, New Orleans, you know, yes, moving back in the draft by getting the number, you know, 17 and 51 pick. So they have five draft picks. So they have a chance to improve now with some of these pieces or package and try to move up or, or wherever the case may be. But opening up the cap space is probably... Not probably. It is the most important move. It is the most important move. You got rid of a $34.9 million contract. You got rid of a $37.4 million contract between Adams and Bledsoe, respectively. So you do all that. Now you have cap space. More than you did before, where it was basically, okay, we get, you know, uh, Lonzo Ball, retain him. He's probably going to be a hot commodity out there, as well as maybe Josh Hart, and then we're kind of stuck. We'll see what kind of wiggle room we have. Now you have a lot. You had a future first-rounder as well. You can go for Lonzo Ball. You can go for a Kyle Lowry that's been talked about. You can mix and match a little bit of that. You have a little more luxury in terms of getting um, Josh Hart as well and not having to worry about squeezing too much there. And you can potentially go and get more of a win-now player if you wanted to. But this also clears the way for some young Pelicans guards and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis Jr. to see more playing time as well. So I don't see how you lose there. More than $20 million in additional space. Give some more room for young guys. Get off of two bad contracts. Bring in a player who will help you win now. Comes off the books later and is beneficial in the short term. That's that's not bad for where you were going in. Which is with two contracts that you were going to try to get rid of. And you basically, they weren't long-term fits for this team. They weren't even really short-term fits for this team. Now, for the Grizzlies, short-term, how they improved... They move up seven spots in the first round. They move up 11 spots in the second. They get a Lakers first. And they get Steven Adams instead of Jonas Valanciunas. Steven Adams, obviously, at least you know he's a solid player. You know vertical spacing you're going to have. Pick and roll. Crushing screens. John Morant's going to love him. 
He's going to be locked in for the next two years. It's 17 mil per, so you don't have to worry about that. That's locked in. You're not worried about that in terms of having to also extend some of your young guys who are coming up. Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, some younger guys are going to be um, looking to be re-signed. Even guys who may not be quote-unquote younger, but a Kyle Anderson are going to be up for that. So you already had so many folks that you were going to have to start paying money to that now you lock in somebody that moving forward is going to be there. Your center position is admirably held, I would say. I would say Stephen Adams is a very solid center. You have that. Whether or not you keep Eric Bledsoe, I could have found a way in my head to make Eric Bledsoe work as like a backup third string guard alongside, you know, uh, Tyus Jones, along, of course, with John Morant. I'm saying John Morant and then Tyus Jones and then possibly after that, Eric Bledsoe. I could see that happening, him playing, I don't know if I want to say the two guard, but like two point guard lineups with him and Ja. The shooting's terrible, but I could kind of work it in my head how that could happen. But the fact that he might not even be long for Memphis, even better. Even better. You have a top 10 pick. Uh, Apparently there's already been rumblings that the Grizzlies were looking for Josh Giddy, but they might be able to move even further up with that pick and try to get someone in that maybe five to eight range. Who knows? They can continue to make picks. Uh, they continue to make moves with that pick, that asset accumulation that they're doing to go and and get more talent to really go from the play-in in the first round to making some real noise in the Western Conference playoffs. I think actually, I mean, the Grizzlies, you've got to be even more excited for, for Zach Kleiman in the Memphis front office because now you have five top 40 picks over the next two drafts because forget not only what they did here, but the draft for the, the draft picks they have coming up next year as well. They are well positioned in terms of taking those pieces and packaging them, um, taking those picks rather, pieces, picks, and packaging them together for more win-now players on a young competitive roster, or the way Memphis is drafted, listen, maybe having those picks isn't such a bad thing, because they've shown that they can fill in positions in the margins to bring in shooting, to bring in, you know, additional defense, additional um, rim verticality. They know how to take these picks and make a major payoff. So the Memphis front office can do that. This is easy money for them. All they got to do is make the selection. And now they have enough cracks at the apple to get really good fits moving forward. So this is one of those that I really, really like for both squads. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get um, a lot more, I think, of a, of, a, of a breakout year next year because you have someone in Steven Adams who does not mind the physical defensive assignments, does not mind banging around and doing all of that. And so that leaves Jaron Jackson to do what he does best, you know, slash selectively, space the floor, go into a larger role offensively, and, and fit right there. And another guy like Zion, another winner. I mean, this is so much. I mean, like I said, Valanciunas being m- much more of a stretch five than Steven Adams ever was, will give the Pelicans the ability to put the ball in Zion's hands and let him create shots for everyone, for himself, for all, and having that spacing that doesn't clog the paint and make it harder for Zion to finish. I I just I just like this. I think the biggest winner though, the biggest winner of all, grit and grind. The grit and grind crowd are gonna get one of the grittiest, most grinding people in Steven Adams, and I love it. I love it. His humor, that hair, the pinching. I mean he is made for Memphis, he is the perfect fit for Memphis, what's funny is I remember, I think it was his rookie season actually, it was his rookie season, in the playoffs against the Memphis Grizzlies where Zach Randolph punched him in the head, we've come full circle, we've come full circle, now he has the potential to be the new grindfather, uh, I know that wasn't actually Zach Randolph, I think that was Stephen Adams, I'm not Stephen Adams, um, oh lord have mercy, <laughs> forgetting the names of the great Memphis Grizzlies of the past here, <laughs> 
Tony Allen. But the point being, he has a chance to come in and be the hero that Memphis needs, but not the one they deserve. Yes, they have John Morant. He's the guy. Yes, they have, you know, Jared Jackson Jr. and stuff, but Steven Adams is going to fit right in, and I love it. So, as you can tell, I'm really excited about this trade. I think it works well for both squads. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds moving forward, because I don't think this is the end. You better believe that this is only the beginning for New Orleans Pelicans as they try to make moves this offseason. And I'm excited to see what sneaky moves Memphis may continue to do as we head into the draft over the next couple of days. Of course, I do have to say for complete analysis, this is merely, uh, you know, just a general overview of what happened, my own personal thoughts, but we have the best in the biz uh, with Hoopball covering both teams. The Hoopball Grizzlies podcast and the Hoopball Pelicans podcast will have in-depth breakdowns on each of their respective sides on this trade, um, what it means for their teams moving forward, exactly what possible moves may be coming along here in the next couple of days. So definitely make sure to check that out. Again, the Hoopball Grizzlies podcast and the Hoopball uh, Pelicans pod. I know both of or all of the fine gentlemen associated with the podcast. It is a lot of fun to listen to. Um, it educates. It entertains. Make sure to do that, okay? Um, that's just just have to get that out there because I am excited personally to hear what they have to say as soon as I'm done with this, actually. All right, all right. Well, you know NBA draft time comes with NBA draft rumors. And news broke early Monday that the OKC Thunder, as we know, are armed with basically every pick from this year to 2029, made an offer to the Detroit Pistons in an effort to move up to number one for Thursday's NBA draft. Uh, this was reported by Jonathan Wasserman, uh, basically it was a rumor that was reported. He was told the OKC Thunder had made a legitimate offer for number one. Then it was reported later uh, that, uh, according to Matt Babcock of Basketball News, the Thunder had offered the sixth overall pick and young star point guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander to the Pistons for the number one overall pick. Uh, quote, rumor has it the Thunder offered the number six overall pick and SGA in exchange for the number one. The Pistons declined, according to Babcock. Now, of course, again, Babcock says himself, so I don't feel I need to say it, but I will anyway. Rumor has it. We know how this goes, but this is somebody that Babcock, being a former agent, I do put a little more credence to. Uh, With that being said, it's still a rumor, so take that for what it is. But think about that. What does that mean for the Pistons? What does it even look like? I think, obviously, it means the Pistons either think that Cade Cunningham is what the consensus seemed to think, that he is just a stud, straight-up star, one of the best number one picks in the last, what, three years? I don't know if I put more on, Zion, but last three years or so? Boom. Or that the team, it, it, they need to um, they need to fully rebuild and that they're not going to be at a point in their rebuild process that extending SGA to the max contract that he will most certainly demand is a good idea. I think it's it has to be either of those two, or they just don't like SGA and the way he plays. I'm just kidding. That's obviously ludicrous. Because looking at SGA, he's one of the top point guards in the NBA. He brings it to you on the offensive end. He's been growing on that, and he gives it to you on the defensive end. He's getting, been getting better there as well. He's just turned 23, so it's not like he is that old egregiously. I think he would fit in perfectly with Killian Hayes um, as someone who could be an offensive initiator primary, someone who could play off the ball and still be a decent enough shooter. He's improved from three-point range over the last couple of seasons. So I think you look at all that and you just say, boom, he he's he's a stud. I mean, compare him to other young point guards. I would put him over, what, Darren Fox? Uh, I don't know about John Trey Young, but I think he's right up in there. I think he is right up in there. 
Like, he is squarely in that upper tier of, 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 of point guards in the NBA, at least the, the young ones coming up. Let's just put him, you know, in that kind of bracket. But that's interesting that that package was even offered because OKC obviously is like, hey, we can get someone like Cade who can be a super-duper star. He already went to college in Oklahoma. He can stay with Oklahoma professionally. We can start putting pieces around him with all the picks we have coming up from now till Kingdom Come and see how that works out. I mean, that is kind of a godfather offer, I think. I don't think it's it, it's super crazy. Yes, it's a simple pick in terms of getting the sixth overall pick. That means you can still get a Scotty Barnes or a Jonathan Kaminga, possibly, or something of that ilk, a James Booknight as well. But you also have a stud in SGA. I think the quality of player that you would get in him alone would probably be better than having, like, one B-plus player and, like, you know, three B-minus C-plus players. Like, that's how solid that package looks on its head. So it just goes to show you, that's interesting. I like, I would like the fact, uh, I would like the, uh, the idea of SGA in Detroit. I don't know if I would have made that deal myself, but I would have thought long and hard about it. And it's not that I'm low on Cade Cunningham, I'm just very high on SGA, and still getting a pick in the top 10, um, just outside the top 5 in, in, the, in, the, in the draft, that doesn't bug me as much. I don't know. I think that, again, if you get a guy that everyone's been talking about as that guy, and Cade Cunningham being that all-pro talent, you know, the most strengths, the least weaknesses, then you take that. But SGA, man, SGA is not bad. SGA is not bad. I just think it's interesting that that has been something already not only rumored, but down to the package released. And I expect more of that over the next couple of days. I mean, Detroit has either been putting out the best um, smoke screens in the business as far as, oh, we might like this guy. We might like that guy. We don't know. Or they are very legitimately doing their due diligence on figuring out if it's Kate Cunningham or Jalen Green or Evan Mobley at the top. I, I mean, Kate is nice. I like Jalen Green, though. I like Evan Mobley as well. We'll talk about that more uh, tomorrow's show. But in either event, I, I do think it's interesting that teams still think that Detroit's number one can be held available. Let's just say that. You didn't see that with Minnesota last year. You know, I don't think we saw that the year before as well with the number one overall pick. Like, usually a team has a number one overall pick, that's just what it is. You know, if, unless you're, like, trading from number two down, okay. But the fact that they even made that offer to Detroit, maybe it signals that there is a, a potential trade in play for Detroit if it's the right offer. I doubt it, but... I mean, then again, I'm not the one who offered, you know, SGA in a, in a, in a first-rounder. So, very interesting news. I certainly think so. Definitely looking forward to seeing what kind of shakes out over the next couple of days. Will Detroit kind of stand pat and say, you know what, that's not going to happen? Or are they even going to be kind of floating around in the area for that? Because that is that is interesting. Right, we do have some birthdays. So, first off, we got to give a, a shout-out to Jordan Hill, who... Bet you didn't bet you didn't know this, but his cousins with both Trevor Booker and Devin Booker, isn't that crazy to think about? And, and no, not not Devin Booker. Um, you know the Devin Booker for the Phoenix Suns. No, Devin Booker. He didn't play in the NBA. Um, Thirty-year-old uh, brother of of Trevor Booker, uh, the vet who played for a number of teams, notably the Wizards, as well as the Nets, um, the Jazz as well, for a significant stint. So, that was funny, but I just thought I would try to go, Devin Booker, eh? Anyways, back to Jordan Hill. Uh, Jordan Hill is 34. He played eight years in the NBA, uh, kind of an energy, rim-running big, uh, was drafted by the Knicks, eighth overall in 2009, which, unfortunately, was kind of a mistake. Uh, Played a couple years there, averaged four points and 
Ugh. Less than three rebounds, not too great. Went to Houston, had a couple years in the, with the LA Lakers. I definitely was fond of those years, including uh, a year where he maxed out uh, at age 27 in 2014-2015, averaging 12 points and just under eight boards a game on 45% shooting. Definitely love that year. Unfortunately, the Lakers are terrible. Uh, then he went to Indiana, played a stint there, 73 games, to close out his career at the age of 29 with the Minnesota Timberwolves, currently playing for the Big Three. Definitely able to check him out on the weekends. Still a lot of fun. 34-year-old Jordan Hill, happy birthday to you. We also have old vet Damari Caro. Remember, uh, just being the prototype 3 and D guy without maybe not being the, the perfect 3 guy in some of the D, but... Demar Caro played a long career in the NBA, considering 11 years. Uh, he was drafted, or rather, no, he was drafted in the same draft as Jordan Hill. He was picked 27th, though. I think you would have probably flip-flopped those two uh, if you were given the chance, just considering, uh, by the Memphis Grizzlies uh, in 2009. So 27th overall pick there. Uh, played, like I said, a couple years with a bunch of teams. Two years with the Hawks, two years with the Nets, two years with the Raptors, two years with the Jazz, two years with the Grizzlies where he started, of course, uh, a forgettable little stint in San Antonio, a semi-forgettable stint in Houston as well, um, and a year in Denver in between all of those uh, back in 2011. Only four games, so not a whole lot there. Uh, That was a solid overall dude. Junkyard Dog, JYD 2.0 was his nickname. I think we're going to keep with the original Junkyard Dog, but still solid. A career 35% three-point shooter. Uh, finished with 570 games played. Uh, just under 9 points, 4 rebounds, and an assist per game for his career. Damari Carroll is 35. Happy birthday to him. Then we have another guy, a legend. Marvin Barnes. Bad News Barnes. Uh, he, unfortunately, uh, would be 70 uh this year uh but he did pass away in 2014 uh he didn't play a whole lot with the nba he was uh more of an aba player for sure but he had some monster numbers uh his rookie year 24 points 15 boards on just under 50 percent shooting uh with uh the st louis spirits so definitely um interesting team back then, but just a monster year for him. He followed that up with a 24-10 campaign, again with the Spirits. Then he kind of bounced around, did not achieve anywhere near the heights of his first two seasons, did however finish with a career average of 16 points and 9 rebounds with 2 assists per game. Uh, I love the nickname Bad News Barnes and the magnificent moving Marvin. Just, just it flows off really easy. Uh, Again, he was drafted actually second overall by the Philadelphia 76ers in 1974. One of the great NBA player, ABA players of the time. Two-time All-Star, All-NBA in 75. He was Rookie of the Year in 75 His, his um, for, the, for the ABA, of course. Um, All-Rookie that year there as well. And he did make the 1996-1997 ABA All-Time team. So definitely a shout-out to one of the great power forwards of the ABA era. Last but not least, we have the Young Gun. The one who does not have a nickname. He was drafted just last year, seventh overall by the Detroit Pistons. Will now be probably sharing the backcourt with Cade Cunningham. That is right. I am talking about Killian Hayes, who turns 20. Killian Hayes had an uneven campaign. Uh, started off really slow. Did not have great shooting. Then he got injured. That did make it better. Uh, but he did finish the season with six points, uh, two rebounds, and five assists per game. Didn't shoot well from the field uh, or from three. Really only shot decently from the free throw line, where he shot 82%. Shot 35% from the field, 27% 
from three, but definitely room for him to grow, definitely encouragement for that to happen. I'm excited to see how he plays alongside Cade, whether he'll be able to kind of work on his outside shooting to develop that off-ball utility that someone like Cade will demand in terms of being able to play on and off the ball, um, expand his own um, offensive versatility in that way. But I'm really looking for a break, uh, a bounce-back breakout year for Killian Hayes. It was a rough rookie year. It takes a while sometimes for guys to really get, get the hang of it, especially the point guard position. Only played 26 games. It's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. So, happy birthday to Killian Hayes, and here is to a much stronger sophomore season. All right. Well, that'll do it here for another episode of Round Ball Ramble. You know where to find me on Twitter if so interested, at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Like I always say, online, hoop-ball.com. Really got some cool stuff in store for y'all coming up. Got some NBA draft show information. Definitely make sure to check that out. By the time you hear this, it'll probably already be out, the schedule and everything on Twitter. So definitely make sure to tune in. Yours truly will be in giving some thoughts, and I am very excited to be able to have the opportunity to do so. So definitely make sure to look into that. As for the rest of it, y'all, this is yet another week. Another week closer to Summer League, which is my first vacation in... About a year and a half, so I'm kind of excited. Maybe more excited than I should be, even though I absolutely hate flying. And I will be flying. Yes, it's only an hour from where I am to Las Vegas, but still, I don't like flying. I will be chewing my gum like a madman. I will be, like, staring holes in the book I will be most assuredly reading. It's going to be a tremendously horrible, spectacular time. (laughs) But I'm going to let y'all go. Y'all take care. Make the most of this week. You know where you'll see me here with Round Ball Ramble. So, until tomorrow, of course. I am Frosty, y'all stay Frosty, and I'll talk to y'all then. Alright, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.